This is Fragmented Reality, a digital bulletin podcast designed to bust the buzzwords that dominate enterprise technology. My name is Ben Mautzer, and in this episode, for the first time, I take my clutch of eggs, each containing an industry buzzword, to two people, Henrik Nilsson and Duncan Cousins from enterprise software firm Aptio. Right, we're good. We have this, our bowl of eggs in front. Oh, I say a bowl. It's, I'm going to be honest to the listener here. It's a hard hat turned upside down. And we have Henrik to open our first egg. Henrik, do you want to yes, crack on? He's chosen a green one. A green one. Let's and the first here. buzzword of today's episode is... Quantum computer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Excellent. Yeah. First of all, Henrik, we'll come to you. In terms of the knowledge of what quantum computing actually is, how much do you think is out there? The not, not being technical, uh, but for me, co- quantum computing is um, more computing power to be allowing to be doing all the processing that needs to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. That, that's my, the realm that I have around quantum computing. Yeah, Duncan? Uh, uh, my understanding is, is pretty similar. It's a, a future capability. I'm not convinced that anybody is leveraging it today. Maybe they are, but uh, I haven't come across any of our customers that are doing anything with quantum computing as yet. No. I, I think the second I think of is Google and some of their um, science labs things that they're trying to do of, of of building their own type of quantum computing. Do you think at the moment it is reserved for the big tech companies who, are, who have the resource to be able to investigate technologies like I, this? I don't want to be a person that says there will only be three pieces in the world which somebody quoted quite a few years ago yeah. to go back to IBM. <laughs> so I don't want to say that it's only reserved to that. I mean, in the future, it, it could be that everybody has a quantum computer at home. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, it's really much the big research universities uh, MIT, Google, and so on that has quantum computing. I, I would expect the US government to have a lot around that area as well. Yeah. Sorry, I, I imagine that there will probably be uh, quite a lot of research and development organizations. So, um, you know, kind of in the medicinal capacity, being able to leverage quantum computing to help us solve hopefully some of the, the conundrums of, of illness that we're not able to do today mm-hmm. so yeah I think Henrik's right today it, it is reserved for the elite technology companies but you know hopefully that will disseminate down into into uh, kind of practical applications that, that help us as, as human beings yeah how, how far do you think that um, potential can go though with quantum computing do you do you, Henrik do you, th- do you think it is something that far far away in the future will have a huge impact on on our lives it's so difficult to say. I mean, the, the, the pace of things being evolving at the moment, it just makes it so difficult to predict. Yeah. So I, I don't even want to predict that. <laughs> Although you don't continue well, I, I, I'm a gambling man, so I, I, I'm going to say that there's a, I think there's a very strong likelihood that um, you know, as, as technology continues to evolve, that, uh, yeah, it, it will manifest itself, hopefully down to the home computer. But, you know, frankly, my brain's not big enough and strong enough to <laughs> kind of imagine what capabilities I might need at home. Uh, I'm struggling to get the most out of my smart fridge. So, <laughs> And that's the thing, actually, isn't it? I think... Um in terms of the knowledge about what quantum computing is in detail, that, mm. I mean, there's there's very few sort of people in the world who would really be able to explain incomprehensibly w- what it is and what it does and what it will be able to do. Indeed, yeah, and I don't think that the audience that you have in front of you is is, is that audience that's <laughs> going to be able to give you that answer today. <laughs> very much a future future tech. So, sh- Duncan, shall we crack open our second? Uh, sure, second I'm going to go for a pink one here. Duncan's gone for a pink there's egg. There's a lot of pink eggs. Yeah, the pink eggs have yeah surfaced. Future of work. 
Okay, so this is quite a broad term, isn't it? Future of work. Duncan, let's come to you first. What what comes to your mind when you hear the term future of work? What what do you sort of vision? Well, I, I'm sitting next to my boss, so that I think <laughs> going to influence my answer a little bit. <laughs> um, no, look, what do I think about the future of work? Remote working, flexible working. You know, we talk about a work-life balance. I think we're starting to get to a point where there is no balance. The two are so intrinsically intertwined, you know, with our smartphones, you know, always online, all of this kind of stuff. Um, as, as, you know, kind of a, a manager and a, you know, having employees, I think about how I can support them you know, through their future of work, what does career development look like? Technology is obviously a big enabler, but, you know, the traditional uh, job for life, I don't think it, it, it is still here, right? I think that has absolutely gone. It's, unless you have a vocational job, the opportunities to kind of move across different segment, sectors or departments, you know, we've got a lot, lot of uh, examples in our organization, um, you know, people are able to kind of use transferable skills supported by the technology, right? So hopefully the future of work will just be, you know, an extension of that with uh, AI and machine learning taking away some of the the, the laborious stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that the humans can do the more creative and inventive stuff. But Henrik, what do you think? I think it's a great question for the two of us. I mean, you have one, one person here living on an island and one yep. person living in the very southern tip of Sweden, all having European uh, wide positions managing big teams. But like the future of work, I think I've started to see it over the last five to ten years where you, you've gone from being nine to five in an office to be much more freedom. The, the new type of technologies that we're using today is, is really allowing you to be running a management meeting all with people sitting remote, with video, with really good quality, without really having the expensive uh, equipment. Um, so I agree with Duncan 100% that we've, we've, we've seen the trend already happening. Um, I'm then a bit nervous in a way to see the next phase to it, when we might go from employment contracts to project work 100% where so thinking about I have four kids so how, how will their work be when they hit um, um, the after university and so on will they be employed or will they only be picking up project work uh, global competition mm -hmm. so will how, how will the next generation have to compete against talent on a global level compete for every type of gig or uh, effort or project so the world is competitive today it will not be less competitive going forward mm. yeah. so that's that's I've, I'm really excited about the future work but I was also a bit scary at the same time yeah yeah and I think that that view is maybe held by a lot of people in in work at the moment who worry about their potential jobs Duncan in terms of technology itself you mentioned it a couple of times there what role will technologies have in sort of sustaining the the, the workplaces of the future yeah well look, Henrik's already mentioned you know video conferencing you know the, there's a plethora of uh, options that, that we can choose from today that support that that kind of uh, remote working as, as we develop we've just been talking about quantum computing I'm not in a position to talk about how that's gonna you know gonna impact the future of work but certainly what we're seeing today in terms of the AI and machine learning uh, kind of space I think that you know we should be able to make uh, better decisions faster right but also actually the tasks that we're performing 
you know, hopefully will start to evolve and change so that, you know, as I say, we are focusing more on being creative and, and finding ways in which we can leverage this new technology rather than just having it as an enabler or a supporting function. Yeah. And, and I, if I can add one thing I think is changing this a lot is uh, Generation X and Y, right? Like we used to, when we sort of do video meetings, have suits and shirts and be very polished sitting at home, right? But like the, when we get a much more younger workforce into, into organizations and we're working hard on that at Aptio, um, it really allows us now to start to be much more relaxed. So we still turn the camera on on the video, even though we're sitting in a hoodie and not being shaved, right? Yeah. So, But I think it's important to get to the point in time where you have a relaxed enough climate in the company to be allowing that to happen. That's when you can drive a good collaboration, allow people mm. to work from home. And do you, do you think the benefits of that are, are obvious? Do you think Because there obviously has to be a reason for that, doesn't there? A reason for doing 100%. that? 100%. I mean, well, two examples here, right? Yeah. 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 And, and communication is the number one thing you do, right? And there will always be misunderstandings if you only have voice. But if you add a video element to it, it will make your one-on-ones or leadership meetings so much more powerful if you have video on and yet than just having um, a voice conversation. Yeah. Mm. On a final point on this one, on a, on a broader point, you mentioned AI and machine learning there. The, those, those sort of massive technologies, is it, is it fair to say that in terms of these technologies, it's impossible right now to predict what impact they are going to have on the workforce of the future. Is that is that a fair point? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. If I if I could predict that, I wouldn't be sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> but even loosely, kind of think what impact they will have, because obviously this, the impact will be at scale, won't it? And well, th- it's that kind of grey area, I think, where where people might be concerned about their jobs in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm playing devil's advocate. Here. Yeah. Look, I think. Um, you know, I, I've certainly thought about the impact of technology on the workforce and, and, and what the future might be. You know, is there a role for an organisation that is, you know, having to look after uh, those people that have been ousted by the developments of technology, right? Is it incumbent upon the currently employing organisation to uh, retrain and, uh, and re-educate these people? Are those people indeed you know, able to re-educate and retrain. I, like these are kind of some of the questions that I think remain unanswered. This is a fascinating topic. We could probably talk for a lot longer, but we must move on. Henrik, would you like to pick out egg number three? It's gone for a green again. Green, green again. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have? Augmented reality. Augmented reality. Okay, this is a, an interesting technology that has been actually spoken about for quite a while. Henrik, do you think AR is having an impact at enterprise level today? Not, not really. I would say. I think. I think there's there's certain um, areas where it's probably being used for research and, and so on. But in in our company, I haven't seen any impact uh, from AR uh, at all. I think there's a there's been a big buzz uh, around it. There's been a lot uh, discussions about that type of yeah, also second life and having a second. Yeah, we we, we haven't seen any impact on on what we do um, in in our. No, Duncan, is that something you'd agree with? Um, uh, yes and no. So certainly, we haven't. I, I haven't come across it, you know, specifically in the course of our business. Uh, that said, uh, I was visiting a customer site, um, uh, a fairly well-known brand, and they they were having an expo. Uh, and as part of that, there was an augmented reality stage, right? So I do think that. Um, it, 
we are a little bit insulated in terms of what what the capabilities are but i envisage from a business perspective certainly you know being able to walk through um you know, kind of the, the inner workings of an engine or something like that, right? So that you you are effectively the lubricant inside it, right? But mm-hmm. you can actually go right down inside an engine, see, you know, if components are wearing or breaking. You think about kind of aircraft engines and those sorts of things, right? Can augmented reality, you know, help us you know, be eyes in places that we can't ordinarily be unless we take the whole machine apart, things like that. Um, you know, certainly augmented reality is likely to, to manifest itself at a consumer level around gaming. Um, so I would, I would expect to see, you know, my children wearing uh, AR glasses and, and those sorts of things. But, uh, yeah, I, my knowledge of this is, is, again, I think a little bit limited. You, Henrik, you read about and you see a lot of use cases for AR which are like headline grabbing and look yeah. exciting and fun to use. But do you think that's almost where it sits currently as a technology and actually the business case for deploying it at scale is hard to make? It, potentially, but yeah. it can also be that the technology is not there yet, yeah. right? But, but if you look at that might be early technologies going towards this becoming mainstream. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't used to have a heads-up display a few years in my car. Already now having that type of visualization ahead of you, and I'm struggling. We have two cars, one with, one without. Every time I now drive the one without that type of uh, visualization, it's, it's really tough. It's not AR, right? I understand that, yeah. but it's also telling me that once you get going on a technology like this, it could become very sticky and the value mm. could be that people doesn't want to let go. Yeah. But then again, that that's also coming back to society, it can have a big impact because do we want everybody to be sticking in their homes, uh, in their houses, doing meeting via second world instead of meeting in real life? Yeah. I, I like to meet people. There's a, lot, there's a lot of value in actual yeah, reality, yeah, really, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, rather yeah, than yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, I think pe- people who are, in, who are interested in this particular topic, like virtual reality, augmented reality, especially, will say that the development of our devices, mobile phones, etc., will are, are going to be key to the use of this um, technology. Do you think that that's a fair fair argument to make and a fair one? to a fair reason why people might think AR might be a thing in the future? You know, I'm not sure how how AR will kind of manifest itself in, in terms of kind of mobile technology, mm-hmm. but uh, it, you talking reminds me of uh, seeing Star Wars, I think it was number four or number five, where <laughs> Princess Leia is presented as a hologram, right? Yeah. So maybe, you know, in the future, we will be able to put our smartphones on our desks and have a kind of augmented reality conversation with a holographic image. Um, yeah. You know, it, nothing, as Henrik said, nothing will replace the, the, the fist bump and the hug that you yeah. get face to face. But yeah, certainly, um, you know, it, it might be possible that, that we're interacting via holographic images uh, or imagery uh, through our smartphones in the future. Fantastic. I think you, you know, you can hug a hologram, can't you? That's <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. It looks a bit weird. I'll let you go first on that. <laughs> right, egg number four, Duncan. Let's I'm go. I'm not going to stick with tradition. <laughs> I'm going to go yellow. First yellow egg. First yellow egg. What treat will emerge this time? Oh, digital evangelist. <laughs> digital evangelist. <laughs> oh, okay. The, the one you really wanted. The, the one Duncan, that I wanted to call BS on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you react like that when you opened that egg? Because it's um, right. So look, th- there's a lot of talk about going digital, digital transformation, digitalization, um, you know, that, that manifests itself in a number of different ways. Um, we are 
seemingly in a, in a time where we do like to coin catchphrases. Personally, I feel digital evangelist is a little bit catchphrasey. Uh, I'm sure that there are people out there that do evangelize about the benefits of, of moving um, you know, to a more digitally uh, enabled set of processes. But yeah, frankly, um, I wouldn't be putting digital evangelist on my business card, even though I am supporting organizations to move and transform digitally. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's all about managing change. Like if it's digital, whatever the change is, right? You need somebody who is leaping ahead, uh, helping the rest of the organizations or team or to, to keep up with something. And then you need certain individuals who's taking that type of lead. And, and in, that, in this case, in this situation, they're called digital. But I think it's important to have somebody who's just facilitating and driving change. Yeah, yeah but are they, they're, they're not actually taking the action. Right, they're just speakers. They're evangelizing. So I don't see that they're perhaps they're thought leaders yeah. rather than actually driving the change. But you know, certainly, you know, f first frontier type individuals that are there to you know think and and air their views on how digital can support better organizations yeah. you know, as they progress. Yeah. Do you agree with Henrik, though, Duncan, that you know these people are, even if we don't call them digital evangelists, which I, I agree with you personally, that the term itself is quite cringeworthy, but do you agree that there is a role for, as digital becomes ever more sort of pervasive in every industry, do you think there is a, p a position for, for people who, whose sole purpose is to almost promote and, you know, evangelise? Right, at, at, at the risk of um, you know p potentially offending a few of the listeners, uh, <laughs> my my personal opinion is is no. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that there is an awful lot of talent you know, embedded in the workplace, right? Um, and it's incumbent upon employers to kind of educate around what digital actually means for them, right? And for them to then as I was saying earlier around the AI and you know kind of the future of work be creative right I don't think that there is any better individual or there is no better idea that comes from an individual that is faced with a problem right evangelists probably talk a bit theoretically um, and look I'm sure that a lot of it is based on on their own experience but you know for me getting down and dirty you know rolling up the sleeves and getting stuck into things facing the problems and then figuring out you know a digital solution selling it to your manager selling it to the business getting the investment and so on and so forth that to me is true digital evangelism rather than it being a specific job title yeah. I, I agree but I also think that there's a lot of um, boards of companies that are very nervous at the moment with all the change and all the like it's it's both an opportunity and a threat right mm -hmm. so you still need people that can help board members people that hasn't been been born in all of this technology change that we're currently in the, in the midst of uh, who needs help to really be getting on the journey and understand what's the what's the potential with digital so that's why I think it's still a good facilitator in there do you actually come across many people who are who have the job title digital evangelist? Is 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 it something? <laughs> Duncan's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, not to date. Not but to date. My no. my life would be richer, I'm sure, if I met one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll find one on LinkedIn. I mean, they're probably. That, that's a great yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can connect. <laughs> I thought they all live on your island. Yeah, yeah. Most of them do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Henrik's going to campaign for you, your job title to be changed now. That's right, yeah, digital evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to go for egg number five. Henrik, it's your turn again. 
Oh, it's gone pink. I <laughs> abandoned the greens. <laughs> Unfurling it now. Oh no. <laughs> the one we didn't want. Yes. Blockchain. Blockchain. Why didn't you want blockchain? Because I, I probably don't understand it deep enough. So yep. for me, blockchain is technology that can allow a disruption over certain areas like payments, like those type of areas. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's probably the depth that I have in yeah. the blockchain. It's something that will allow other things to happen at the technology level. Mm -hmm. But then I hit my limit of my competence on technology yeah yeah uh, to you uh, all right thank you very much so um <laughs> i have got a friend uh, who works at isg who who actually used to work at aptio right but he is now uh, leading uh, blockchain he might be a digital evangelist of blockchain a blockchain yeah. evangelist yeah. So, uh, yeah sorry alex if you're listening <laughs> uh, but uh yeah look Blockchain is there to support uh, transactional relationships, right? So clearly, the financial services industry is is primed, right, to, to benefit from this, as I understand it. Um, it's kind of the democratization of security yep. around those uh, those transactions, right? So that there's not one single point of failure. From that perspective, you know, obviously, it's it's uh, it's hugely interesting. It um, you know it's diversifies the need for for technology to be you know solely located within an organization's data center or within the you know their kind of their network. Um, but you know, to, to echo Henrik's point, it, it, it is quite an advanced. Um, you know, kind of algorithm, I guess, that, that, that sits behind it, which I don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, but look, we have had people uh, in our customer base talking about how they are trying to grapple with blockchain and how they can leverage it to their advantage. I'm interested in whether they talk about the detail or whether they are they are they are talking at a level where they they obviously they obviously see the potential of this technology, yes. but they they also maybe want to be seen to be actively pursuing an interest in it because it is so widely talked about. Yeah, I mean, I think you know that the individuals that, that I was referring to are fairly senior, so they're yep. not going to get down in the weeds, you know, with actually how it works. Yep. And I think you know, for, for me to be able to uh, talk uh, articulatively about blockchain I would need to understand a little bit more about exactly you know how it supports uh, you know any organizational process so you know I think they are at a similar point it's clearly something that is available it's cheap um, you know, it's reliable it's secure uh, and for those reasons you know I think that's why people are exploring it but to date and Henrik, I'm looking at you. I haven't heard of any of our customers actually uh, kind of going live with a blockchain or a process or a technology that's underpinned by blockchain. No. And so how do you know it's cheap? You said it's cheap. Well, because it's democratized. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> so um, Bitcoin, yeah. right? That, that's a blockchain technology, right? So nobody pays for Bitcoin, yeah, right? Yeah. You buy the Bitcoins themselves, the cryptocurrencies, yeah. but you know, you're not paying for the underlying technology. But, I think but, but, but I think there's some pretty big projects in some really big banks around. Uh, so there's a lot of labor costs going into yeah, okay. creating solutions around blockchain and so yes. on mm -hmm. in a fear of being disrupted by 
new players coming on board. So yeah, they've Especially been listening the to their digital evangelists. They come in and they scare them up in the boardrooms and yep. then they spend a lot of money yes. on blockchain. Yes, yes. So it doesn't always need to be cheap. Yeah, yeah back at me. Right, very good. Henrik, you, know, you admitted that you don't know much about blockchain and, and sort of the, on a deeper level, but are you curious to know more? Uh, do you take an interest when people are talking about blockchain and the potential that it has? Well, it's probably an area that I need to spend more time on trying yeah. to understand on, on, on what the potential is from yeah. the technology. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Right. I think we've got time for one more egg. So, uh, Duncan. Right. Going blue. And we've got the worst blue. one out of the way. So, this one's going to be an easy one. <laughs> <coughs> and we have our final egg for ah, today's chat DevOps. DevOps. Okay. I think this is the first time this has come up in an episode of Fragmented Reality. So, um, how would you define DevOps, and is it something that's straightforward to achieve within an IT organization, Duncan? Let's go see. Okay, you. so um, DevOps is an abbreviation of, of development and operations. Yep. Okay, so it's uh, the merging of those two disciplines, right? Traditionally, you would have uh, drills going off in the background <laughs> um, as the operations team put their servers back together. I'm going to do DevOps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but look, I, as kind of technology has evolved, right? The, the gap between um, like the operations team and the development team is, is shrinking. We see this most around kind of the cloud uh, mm -hmm. technologies, right? So um, not only are people kind of standing up infrastructure, but they're standing up in, uh, applications on those, inf on those pieces of infrastructure at the same time. You've got various services that are uh, applications that do not require any infrastructure. So we are seeing a, a, an enhancement or a, a transformation within the technology uh, functions that is requiring people to understand both you know, the infrastructure and the development side so that they can provide data center as a service, storage yeah. as a service, as well as you know, standard compute as a service and those sorts of things. So yeah, DevOps is a real thing. It's, abs it's absolutely happening. It's happening right now, you're saying. Right it's, now. Yeah, it's, it's very much. And, and, it's, in, and, and it's, it's changing organizations. It's allowed them to pick up speed. I mean, if you look at it traditionally, why should somebody develop code and then throw it across the fence to somebody to run it? When like the thinking is that somebody who does them developers is the best person then to be continue to be to be running it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's the way of working in in the future. Mm -hmm. Like and, and then it's it's like going all the way out to the agile um, way of working through a lot of, of of new companies. And you can see a lot of the the new startups, the speed that they have in their way of working. Yeah, it just like old old established companies needs to pick up speed. And DevOps is a good ability to shake up the organization a bit and get them going right yep. I mean if we're doing buzzword bingo then we can drop in agile here yeah. right you know clearly you know devops is targeted towards uh, de agile delivery uh, methods yeah. right but uh, just to kind of get a, our own new buzzword in finops right uh, okay. we're now seeing um, you know kind of the, the financial uh, impacts of devops work Right, That's a f yeah, right. as as part of uh, you know their responsibility, right? So as Henrik mentioned, you, you back in the good old days, you would have you know the app dev team, they'd spin up some code, they then request the infrastructure that needed to be you know uh, presented in a data center, the code was loaded onto that, you know the the whole kind of lead time to getting live was was immense, right? Shrinking that down with the DevOps, the guys that are developing the code are now building the infrastructure, the architecture that sits underneath it at the same time, right? With FinOps, we're actually seeing now 
that people are taking financial accountability for those development and design decisions. Yeah, I mean, nobody is, people think, oh, cloud, it's all about you, you pay for what you use. Mm -hmm. No, you pay for what you provision. And it's, it's important when you go to those type of um, models that you have the right capabilities in place. Mm -hmm. So you're able to take up the, all the benefits that exist in, in cloud and DevOps and, and Agile. So, yeah. This FinOps concept, is it something that you're, you're big on Aptio at the moment? Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a key underpinning of our cloudability application. Yeah. Um, so whilst Aptio ha has been talking about technology business management for a long time, and that's very much kind of focused around IT leadership, um, the FinOps uh, discipline is, is to support those kind of more operational uh, members of, of the IT organization uh, and driving the accountability for their decisions in terms of the cost, right, down at their level, mm -hmm. right? So this is, again, kind of democratizing uh, the role of leadership. Um, it, it, it supports the, uh, the IT leaders or the operations leaders, I should say, with uh, you know, the financial governance and management that their bosses are also trying to achieve, you know, and, and they could leverage TBM uh, as a part of that. Yeah. And, and, and tying it back to DevOps then, right? Because yeah. if you look at it traditionally, when somebody has been developing the code and then asking somebody to be running it, when they asked infrastructure, they said, oh, I want the biggest server and I want the biggest, I want the fastest uh, everything around it, right? Having a, people to take accountability of making sure that you're actually uh, configuring a solution that is matching what the application mm -hmm. is supposed to do, what the service that you're running yeah. in there. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a pretty clear, I would say, connection between FinOps and DevOps, just to yep. make is, the is, connection back. Would you say the growth of DevOps and now FinOps, is that further evidence of the importance of IT organizations now within, within businesses? Because obviously previously the back office function it would have been seen as, but now we're seeing proper accountability within IT teams for business critical kind of areas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, the whole picture here is, you know, IT is is going beyond an enabler, uh, right, and is actually now kind of driving, driving organizations yeah. forward um, to to bring technology to that forefront in terms of how a, an organization interacts with its customers, right. We all know customers c can be fairly fickle, right? And we need to be able to adapt and, and change, right? So this is where you know, the hybrid operating model, where you've got some on-premise, uh, you know, kind of classic uh, IT operational infrastructure, um, and then your cloud capabilities. So whether that's private or public cloud, right? Bringing that all together, right, is is a key uh, challenge for the operations team, right? The DevOps guys are obviously working around the cloud, the private, public, where do we provision, how do we provision, right sizing, all of those sorts of things. The FinOps then just adds that layer of financial accountability on top so that, you know, when they are setting out, you know, launching a new application, right, they're able to not only monitor and maintain the level of service that it's providing, but also the cost that that level of service, uh, you know, is incurring. And what, what does then the digital evangelist do? Well, <laughs> he's on the wind up here, isn't yeah. he? <laughs> the digital evangelist is sitting in the back with his feet up drinking coffee. <laughs> well, I think, um, <laughs> no, really interesting uh, point to finish on. Maybe FinOps should be um, encased in an egg for the next episode of Fragmented yes, please. Reality. Guys, thank you very much. Henrik and Aptio's new digital evangelist, Duncan, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed the chat. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate Cheers. it.
power up your day with the Bulletin Brief, the latest news, insights and opinion delivered straight to your inbox. Subscribe now at digitalbullet.in.